Welcome to another inspirational message from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. All right, if you're ready for the word, we're going to be going right back to where we left off last week uh, in our series on angels on assignment. Our angel on assignment series, we are now in part four. And as I said in the last two parts with part two and part three, I thought that would be the last part. But wouldn't you know it, we're going to pick up right where we left off in Acts, the 12th chapter. Uh, We were reading along and we talked uh, last week uh, about prayer warriors. And this week, the title of our our Angel on Assignment uh, series part is Covert Agents of God. A covert Agent of God. You know, uh, at one time in my life, I was in a... Uh, I ha- Best job I ever had in my life. Let me, let me tell you, outside of this gig, this is a pretty good gig I got here. Okay, But, uh, but the best job, the best, I'll say, secular job that I ever had in my life was... Uh, breaking into NATO facilities. Okay? I had a team that I worked with, and I loved it. And I had a job of going to NATO facilities and breaking into them and getting on, you know, on the facility and getting into buildings. And I couldn't break anything. You know, I couldn't actually break windows or you know, things on that line. But I could find open doors and open windows. I was authorized to do this. In fact, I was, uh, it, it was my job. And to break into and then get into offices and get into safes, which are, were very easy. I, I don't, you know, they're not anymore. Of course, we have more sophisticated stuff for all of you would be, uh, uh, don't try this at home, okay? But it was my job. And, uh, 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 and then uh, and I had alert photographer that I would call once I got, you know, the classified information discovered and, and, and you know, um, classified safes open. And if you open up one safe, a lot of times you go to S and you find safe combination for other safes. And, you know, and you get into one, you know, office and you find keys to other offices and simple things. Uh, you know, people aren't that sharp. I would pick up, that, that was back in the days, the old Rolodex. You get a Rolodex card and you go to S and they'd have safe combinations on the Rolodex cards. That's true. Or under phones, they'd have combinations under phones, or you know, all kinds of stuff. You can imagine. Where have you hid stuff? You know, uh, well, there's just nothing more but a bunch of views out there all over the world, and uh, taking care of our, you know, uh, uh, at at that time, the 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 highest uh, classified information uh, available to us in that theater of operation was called NATO Cosmic Top Secret. Uh, isn't that interesting? I didn't even know until I got in that business that there was such a word as cosmic having to do with our classified stuff. And I don't I don't think that's classified. No, it's, it's not. <laughs> but you know, I, I would get get to lay it out, you know, make sure it was covered up and everything. And then alert photographer would come in and take pictures of it and everything. And so I, I, I had a little bit of, uh, of training, uh, 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 a, a fair bit of training and a lot of experience. I had that job for 13 months, a lot of experience, uh, in, in, in doing things without being seen, you know, covertly. Of course, I've kind of got that in my blood. I don't know. You know, I've kind of got that. Uh, I don't know. I was, I was kind of born with a kind of a sneaky spirit or something. I don't know. You know, you know the type that, uh, that uh, I'm, I, I can, you know, uh, uh, get, get, I, I could get into places and get, you know, um, uh, you know, there are a few others of you in here that are just like that. You know what I'm talking about. But uh, 
that's kind of what um, um, my specialty was, was being, uh, you know, uh, covert, covered, um, un undetected, you know, and um, authorized to do that. Well, you know, angels are authorized to do a lot of things in a way that they are undetected, that you don't know that they are there, that they are silent, and that they, uh, you know, might not, uh, you know, uh, be getting the proper credit for the things that are done. You may not even know that they were there. You may not even know that they kept, uh, you know, uh, you from experiencing something that uh, you didn't, uh, you know, need to experience. Uh, you know, angels on assignment. Part three, as I said, we talked about angels as prayer warriors. They do war on our behalf. They war in the heavenlies. And they respond and many times are authorized by God because of our prayers. And we talked last week in our part three series, uh, we focused on the passage of scripture in Acts chapter 12, uh, where um, uh, Luke gave a very well-researched, well-studied account of an angel that was dispatched by God because the church had been praying for Peter. You remember, I won't tell the whole story, but King Herod had, uh, had executed James, the apostle, the brother of John, and he saw that it pleased uh, the, the leadership in Jerusalem that, that you know, he wanted to impress. And he kind of liked them thinking that he was a good guy. And he kind of you know, got favor with them. And so he thought, okay, I will, I'll, I'll kill Peter as well. You know, because Peter is another one of those, you know, important apostles to the church. And so he puts Peter in jail and he was going to wait until after Passover and then bring Peter out and publicly execute him as we un best understand. And so, uh, you know, the night before that was to happen, the church evidently had been praying for a little while and they were praying in a house. The, a house that belonged to a woman named Mary who was the mother of John Mark and she was the sister of Barnabas. Barnabas of Acts chapter 13. And there's every reason to imagine that young apostle Paul and Barnabas were there in that prayer meeting. At least they were there in town. And so an angel undetected, un, you, know, un, uh, you know, covertly, entered into the prison somehow uh, or materialized in the prison somehow. But he was undetected by the sentries, by the guards. He was completely undetected by the four squads of soldiers that were personally guarding the apostle Peter. And he was even undetected by the two soldiers that Peter was chained to as he laid beside them sleeping. The angel woke Peter up in such a way that when the chains fell off of Peter, it didn't even wake anyone up. That's being pretty covert. And Peter got up and he told Peter, get dressed. Peter got dressed. He said, also, get your coat. And he got his coat and the people still didn't wake up. Now, uh, in, in my lifetime, I have been fortunate to be a number of things. I have also been a jailer in my lifetime, okay? 
Uh, and, uh, you know, some of you look, my goodness, you look like you belong in jail. I have been in jail as a jailer. No, <laughs> but, uh, um, you know, I must admit I probably have slept a few times as a jailer. I don't know what to say about it. My times are long and it's quiet and it's boring and it was hot. You know, and I've probably dozed off more than one time. Right? I mean, if you haven't dozed off at work, you know, uh, get a job. You probably haven't had one. Okay. <laughs> at least one working at nighttime. And so, uh, you know, but I have never imagined sleeping that sound. That somebody could, you know, kick somebody laying beside me, chained to me, and, and, and chains fall off, and them get up and get dressed and get their coat and, and open the door and get out without, without waking somebody. That's covert. Okay? That's some real spy stuff. And so uh, the angel, you know, uh, we read last week, the angel led him out through the prison, and when they got to the outside prison gate, the gate opened of itself, opened of its own accord. That's just, you know, I don't know what to think about that. I even went back and studied and studied and studied that. I can't find anything on it with the exception of it opened of its own accord. <laughs> and they walked out. And, and um, when Peter got outside, he still thought he was dreaming. He still thought he was, it, it, this isn't true. And the Bible says, and the angel departed from him, left him. I don't know if he disappeared or walked away into the nighttime. But... Peter woke up. He came to himself, the Bible says, and he realized that what had happened, what he had thought he was dreaming, had actually been real. And so uh, he goes over to where the prayer meeting is being held because he knows uh, in Mary's house. And there, you know, they wouldn't even believe that he had been freed, what they'd been praying for. And so uh, we talked about that last week. Please, there's some great revelation in that last week as to how God answers prayer and how God sends angels in response to our prayer to do the things that we need done. And so, uh, uh, you know, uh, the, 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 the fact is, is that um, as soon as it was daylight, Peter talked to them and he told them, he said, listen, I'm, I'm out of jail. Uh, I'm fixing to leave town. You guys go and send and tell Pastor James. That's not the James that was just executed. It's a lesser James, as it were. So go and tell James and the other apostles that I am free. I'm no longer in prison. They don't have to worry about me any longer. And then uh, Peter left town. It does not tell us where he went at that moment. But when it came daylight... The Bible says in the continuing story that, that the soldiers woke up and they looked for Peter and they realized he wasn't there and they looked everywhere and didn't know what to do. They, 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 they had questions. Where has he gone? What's happened? And, and so they went and told Herod and Herod searched for him. He sent out his soldiers and looked for Peter everywhere because he was, he was embarrassed and he had been embarrassed before, and, and Herod was quite a proud man. He was, he, he was a man that liked everybody to see how wonderful he was. And when uh, this happened to him, he, he, he was really having trouble with it. He called the soldiers back in. The story continues in the account of Acts 12. And he questioned them one more time. The, the, you know, the, uh, two of the translations say that he examined them. You know, and... He wasn't satisfied because they could not tell him what had happened. And so he executed all of these soldiers. Okay? 
I am supposing that it includes the century, you know, and the guy that was by the door and the two soldiers he was chained to and the four squads of soldiers. Some were perhaps about 20 of his trusted soldiers he executed. And then once he executed them, the Bible says that Herod got up and left Jerusalem and left Judah and he went uh, over to Caesarea, the city of Caesarea by the sea. It was a port city of the Roman Empire there in the land of Israel. And uh, it's, it's the town of Caesarea. For those of you in about six or seven weeks that are going with me to, to uh, Israel, I will take you there to Caesarea and show you. It, it, is, it is just one of the most beautiful sites. I'll show you some things that figure in uh, to Acts, the 12th chapter here in our uh, um, um, uh, story in just a moment. And so... Um, Herod, when he got there, he had a palace there, and, uh, uh, and uh, you know, uh, Herod was angry. He was mad at the people in Jerusalem, and of course he had killed a lot of people, but he was mad at a lot of people. You know, uh, Herod was not a happy person to begin with. And some of the people that he was really angry with, he was contemplating going to war with Tyre and Sidon. Now, these are two cities in a region that is just north of Israel's border today in Lebanon. They are between Haifa, and if you went north along the Mediterranean coast, uh, before you get to Beirut, Lebanon, there's, uh, there's Tyre and Sidon right there on the coast. And these were the two uh, uh, regions that had been ruled by a king named Hiram a thousand years earlier, a thousand years before uh, this incident. When David was king, you may remember that King Hiram from Tyre and Sidon sent cedar trees down to David because there are some cedar forests in there that were very well known. And those cedar trees is what David built his house with and it's what he collected for Solomon to use in the building of the temple. So it's a very, very lush and very prosperous area and they got their food from King Herod's country. But Herod was angry with them, and Herod was contemplating going to war with them. Well, the, the men of that region did not want to risk going to war with Herod because Herod was not a nice person, okay? He was an angry man, and, and uh, it, it, it's not someone to be messed with. And so these men and the leaders of Tyre and Sidon wanted to somehow appease King Herod. And what did they do? Well, they, uh, you know, uh, they couldn't go directly to him. So they made friends with one of his assistants, a man named Blastus. This man, it, well, let me tell you what assistant he was. I think it's kind of funny. He was uh, called uh, the Chamberlain, okay? Um, chamber is like your bedroom and he was the guy that was over the king's bedroom he was the guy that took care of the king's bedroom and dressed the king and took care of the king in a personal manner he was one of the personal assistants one of the personal aides of king herod and so they made friends with him and they told him we want peace with the king we want peace with king herod we don't want any trouble with him and so blastus he he made you know he he gave them an opportunity and said listen the king is going to be in this theater the roman theater that's still there it's still intact it seats about 5000 people and uh, you know uh, uh, 
he said the king is going to be in that theater on a certain day making a speech. And so, you know, I'm going, you know, you, you come and, and, and you just make him feel all good about himself and everything. And, you know, and so that's what this is going on here. In fact, it actually reads better than I can tell it. So let's go to the 12th chapter of, of, uh, of the book of Acts and uh, beginning in verse 20. Okay. Now, this is after Herod left Judah because... An angel had delivered Peter from the, um, from the prison. Okay, Acts 12, New King James Version, verse 20. Now Herod had been very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon. But they came to him with one accord, and having made Blastus the king's personal aide, their friend, they asked for peace. Because their country was supplied with food by the king's country. So on a set day, Herod, arrayed in royal apparel, sat on his throne and gave an oration to them. And the people kept shouting, The voice of a God and not of a man. The voice of a God and not of a man. Oh, king, this, you know, your speech is like the voice of a god. You're like God. You're not, you're not just a man. Verse 23. Then immediately an angel. We're talking about angels tonight. An angel. An angel of the Lord struck King Herod because he did not give glory to God. And he was eaten by worms and he died. But the word of God grew and multiplied. Once Herod was out of the way, the word of God grew and multiplied because he was no longer a problem, a hindrance, a persecution to the church. The angel, an angel of the Lord struck him and he was consumed by worms. Where he struck him was on his royal seat in the theater, the Roman theater that still sits there on the Mediterranean Sea in the town of Caesarea. And I can take you there and let you sit in that very place. Okay? <laughs> you know, angels are both messengers and ministers sent by God to deliver and to destroy. Angels, they're both messengers and ministers, and they are sent by God to deliver and to destroy. The scriptures continually show angels delivering the children of God while destroying the enemies of the children of God. From the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation and all in between, angels are on assignment and they are often silent, undetected, and they are sometimes deadly. Like in this New Testament story, deadly. Herod had killed James, the brother of John, executed him in a public fashion because he was persecuting the church and trying to gain favor with those who did not like Christians. He imprisoned Peter, and he no doubt would have 
executed Peter had not an angel delivered him at the prayerful request of the church. No doubt Herod, had he not been appeased, would have attacked Tyre and Sidon. And it seems as though that perhaps the only recourse for Herod would have been to have repented. <laughs> to have repented because Almighty God was evidently dealing with him and thwarting his advances and trying to stop him from persecuting the church and Christians and killing the apostles. You know, the same thing that God was trying to do with Saul of Tarsus to say, Saul of Tarsus, you need to stop. In fact, at the very last straw, a light shined from heaven upon Saul of Tarsus and said to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? That light blinded him, no doubt, an angel of the Lord, perhaps Jesus Christ speaking through that angel saying to him, why are you persecuting me? Had not Saul of Tarsus repented, I think the angel of the Lord would have struck him dead before he allowed him to persecute the church of the living God. That seems to me what has happened to Herod is that Herod would not repent, but rather was lifted up with pride and he fell into the judgment of God. It has been said, and I do not know who said this, but it is not my quote, that no man is flattered by another who has not first flattered himself. If you're a person who enjoys flattery, most likely you have already flattered yourself. It seems Herod thought a lot of himself. A man who hath not flattered himself cannot yet be flattered. Josephus says of the king Herod here that one of his faults was he did not rebuke the people. Nor did he reject their flattery. And Josephus, who was a Jewish historian that wrote during the first century, he says that a severe pain arose in Herod's belly in a most violent manner. And he was quite worn out with this pain for five days before he died at the age of 54 in the seventh year of his reign. That's the Jewish historian. Numbers chapter 22 tells us of another story of a man named Balaam who was a prophet of God. And this prophet of God decided that he was going to push through and go ahead and do something God did not want him to do. What did he find but an angel standing in front of him with a sword? Silent yet deadly. Not having heard a word, not having seen a thing. His donkey saw and averted his death three times because the angel, that covert messenger, that covert minister of God was not going to allow the prophet Balaam to prophesy doom and curses on God's children. And he stood ready with his sword to destroy the enemies of the children of God. In 2 Chronicles chapter 32 it is a time 
in history whenever the king of Assyria, Sennacherib, had attacked Israel and would have destroyed Israel, had the means, had the power, had the manpower. Second Chronicles 32, verse 20 and 21 says, Now because of this, because of all being surrounded and threatened and, and would have been overcome, because of this, King Hezekiah and the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, prayed and cried out to heaven. Because of the overwhelming odds, because of, 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 the, of the certain defeat by the enemies of the children of God, here the prophet Isaiah and the king cried out. The church and the government cried out. They cried out to the God of heaven. They cried out for mercy. They cried out for help. They cried out to God Almighty. We repent. We need your help. Help us, O oh God. Verse 21, then the Lord sent an angel who cut down every mighty man of valor, leader, and captain in the camp of the king of Assyria. Wow. Who did that? A mighty angel. Why? Because God sent him. Why? Because a nation prayed and sought God. The government representatives and the church representatives came together and offered themselves to God and fell upon his mercy, and God sent an angel and destroyed all of their enemies. Silent, but deadly. This angel was an invisible agent of God's will. He was sent to deliver and to destroy, to deliver the children of Israel and yet destroy their enemies. My hope tonight is that I would raise your estimation of angels just a little bit that you would be aware that angels are sent by God in response to prayer. They are sent by God in response to his will to do his bidding, and they are yet around you everywhere, and they are sent by God to deliver you, but they are awesome. Has God told the children of Israel when they were going into the promised land, having come out of Egypt, I'm going to send my angel before you, but don't you dare do anything to upset him. He's mighty, he's strong, he's powerful. He will take care of your enemies, but you be careful that you follow him. Wow. <laughs> I think sometimes we don't understand what available resources we have and how awesome and amazing they are. In 2 Kings chapter 6, this was a time during the prophet Elisha, when the prophet Elisha was, was receiving prophetic words of knowledge and, and sharing them with the king of Israel, and the king of Israel was avoiding getting captured and ambushed, and, and uh, you know, uh, it, 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 was, it was so uh, uh, troubling to their enemies that uh, there was sent out a group of soldiers in chariots to surround the prophet Elisha and to capture him and to bring him back so they you know, could deal harshly with him and straighten this out. Well, in verse 15 of 2 Kings chapter 6, the Bible says, And when the servant of the man of God, talking about Elisha, when the servant of Elisha arose early and went out, there was an army, the army of the enemy, surrounding the city with horses and chariots, and his servant said to Elisha, Alas, my master, what shall we do? 
What are we going to do? We're surrounded by superior forces. Verse 16. So Elisha answered, do not fear. Don't be afraid. Oh, come on now. Don't be afraid. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. The servant was standing out there and he just didn't see it. Why? Because the angels were invisible. The angels were undetected. Because the angels were silent. But it was not that they were not present. Verse 17, and Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Oh, that our eyes would be opened. Oh, that the eyes of our heart and our understanding tonight would be opened, that we might understand the hope of our calling and the glory of our riches, the inheritance which we have because we are saints, and the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe. Ephesians, one of the prayers of Paul. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the servant of this young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Oh, the times that we are yet unaware of when we have walked through the midst of our enemies with angels on assignment, with flames of fire, with ministers of the holy God we serve surrounding us and going before us and at our rear guard to make sure no enemy is successful in their attack. Tonight, I will leave you and we will conclude this subject I want you to know that there are angels all around us silently watching over our lives. Because you don't see them, because you don't hear them, because you don't feel them, does not mean they are not there. They know the will of God. They see the future. They understand God's purpose even when we don't. And they are moving in force to accomplish the will of God. They are determined to deliver the heirs of salvation. As Hebrews 1.14 says. And they stand ready. Not only to deliver the children of God. But to destroy the enemies of God. The war is much bigger. Than the next house we can buy. The next meal we can afford. The next vacation we can plan. There are greater things at stake. And angels deliver the children of God and they destroy the wicked works of the devil at the unction of God. So I'll leave you asking you to be kind to strangers. As the Bible says. The Bible says be kind to strangers. Why? Because some of those might just be angels sent by God or by someone who is praying for you to watch over you and to deliver you. Be kind to strangers. Thanks again for joining us for another encouraging word from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, 
God bless.